Welcome to our campus ministry podcast covering our weekly Bible studies. This is Tom Nyhart and my lovely co-host, my wife, Jill. Hey, it's good to be here. We're going to start off this week talking just a little bit about what it's like to be on a farm and raise animals and take care of animals. My wife grew up on a farm and she has some pretty good insights on what that's like. Well, yeah, I was raised on a farm where we had cattle that we raised for beef and we had hogs and uh, they kind of have a schedule that you have to follow them. Um, Feeding is normal. I mean, you can get in a routine with feeding and watering animals, but when it comes to them uh, having their calves or their little piglets, uh, they kind of have their own time frame. So during those seasons, you don't leave the farm. You're you're there 24-7. So based on that knowledge, what do you think it's like to be a shepherd? Oh, I can't even imagine. I mean, you're following your animals or they're following you no matter where you go. It would, it would be 24-7. I feel like shepherds have kind of a greater area, like ours were in lots and ours were in barns. And I would think that a shepherd would have more like mountains and hills and rolling prairie. So you would have to do a lot more work. Well, shepherds were pretty nomadic, pretty mobile. And Jesus uses shepherd imagery a lot, but it, I think it kind of gets lost on us as Americans, especially those that are like myself who are non-farmers that grew up as town kids or city kids. So I want to look at another example, Psalm 23 it's one of the probably one of the most well-known psalms that gets used. It gets used a lot at funerals. In all honesty, while it's a peaceful image on the surface, it's about as far from a funeral passage as you can get. It starts off, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. So what comes to mind when you think about green pastures as an American. <laughs> the screensaver that we've all had, I think somebody said it in our Bible study best, you know, you see that rolling green hilltop, you know, kind of like you think Ireland, you know, it goes on and on and on and beautiful lush green thick grass. Like knee high pasture where if you were a cow, you could just sit there and lay and, and just eat and eat and eat. And you really wouldn't have to move very far to have a full stomach. Oh, yeah. Just turn your head and eat over there and turn your head and eat on the other side. So what about the idea? What about still waters? That's another uh, thing that comes out of Psalm 23. Oh, I think you always picture like a big lake and it's placid. Like you could see all the trees or the mountains just perfectly, you know, reflecting in that stillness. So I think to really understand the imagery of Psalm 23, I, r- I really wish we could take a hike in the desert for just even <laughs> just four days. I can't imagine what it would be like to be in the desert for 40 years. Right. Uh, in 2016, I had the opportunity to go to Israel and Turkey, and in 2018, you had the opportunity to go. I know what my experience in the desert was like, but what was your experience? Well, it, when you're talking green pastures, um, it looked really more like a lot of rocks and a few sticks that 
in the right part of the day. If the sun is hitting just right, you might see a slight green haze, but it pretty much looked like rocks and dirt to me. Maybe something that looks like scraggy weeds. Uh, Still waters. Uh, Still waters were very, very, very small, tiny little pools of water that was just stagnant. Muddy. Yeah, green. Leftover, usually leftover pools from the rains in the mountains that would wash down the hillsides into the desert. Well, and they were small because everything evaporates so quickly there. So what was the desert itself like? Uh, hot. Dry. Oh. Oh. <laughs> How hot? Uh, well, I'm, I picture sitting in Timna, and we were all in a very calm, seated space, and it's hot. I mean, it's very, very dry, but maybe, I mean, when there were times we were up to maybe 104, 106. The curious thing about being a shepherd in Israel is you don't shepherd your flocks in the Shefela. The Shefela is the nice, lush, grassy farmland that sits between the Judean mountains and the coastline. You don't shepherd your flocks there. That's farmland. Um, the flocks graze in the Judean wilderness, which is largely desert. And just like you said, um, when the sun is shining right, you can see a very, very pale green tint on some of the hillsides. And it's just very sparsely, uh, kind of prickly, sticky grass with <laughs> just a little green on it. And it's hot and the heat radiates. I will include in the show notes a photo of a shepherd that we, we, we saw. He's way up on a hillside, and you'll see in the photo that there are these paths that just run along the hillside. These are paths that shepherds have used for hundreds of hundreds, maybe thousands of years. And the shepherd is on the hill. He's not... It would appear that he's not leading a sheep. Actually, I should say she. I was just going to say, you might want to correct that because was that really a he or was that a she? One of the things we found out was that most shepherds were women. And the shepherd is on the hillside and leads the sheep simply by the sound of their voice. So I'm going to include in the show notes a photo for you guys to look at just to kind of get a reference point of what it's like to be a shepherd out in that kind of wilderness. Uh, Because in the the photo, there are things that you, there are things that you see. Yeah, there are paths. You see the paths? Do you think of the 23rd Psalm? He he leads me in paths of righteousness. For his namesake. Those paths, that's, that's the imagery of the shepherd leading his sheep on those paths. You see the shepherd leading from a vantage point where he can see his sheep and he leads with his voice. What do you not see? What's the difference between that grass and our grass? <laughs> There's no rolling meadow. <laughs> There's no rolling <laughs> meadow. There's no babbling brooks. No, no. You just see stone paths that have been carved out by years and years and years of animals grazing in the same area repeatedly day after day after day. There are also some things to know about sheep. We often think about sheep as being stupid animals. Oh, no, they're smart. But they know their master's voice. Uh, Typically, 
they only only respond to the shepherd's voice. And every once in a while, uh, you'll hear in the news from Israel. You'll hear if you're in Israel, you hear about a tragedy where a shepherd dies, but he hasn't taught the sheep or handed over the sheep to listen to any other any other shepherd's voice. So the flock will perish because they don't have a voice to listen to. And the flip side of this is you can actually put multiple flocks in the same pen, but only your sheep will listen and follow your commands. How cool is that concept? Man, that's pretty neat. That makes you think about what you're listening to. You know, what voice are you listening to? But it all comes down to the voice. The sheep know their shepherd's voice, and they trust the shepherd. This is so important. This imagery is so key to so many different teachings in the Bible. You don't have the green pastures. You don't have the overabundance. You have just enough. You have just enough. There's only there's enough moisture in the air that when the wind blows in from the sea, that allows small tufts of graffy twigs to grow. And it may be a mouthful or two in the spot. Then you move to the next spot few feet away, and another mouthful or two. And basically, each little tuft of grass is, like you said, it's just enough. And the sheep trust the shepherd to lead them to the next spot where it's just enough. There are no running, bubbling creeks. Like, like we said earlier, uh, after it rains, you'll find pools of still muddy water until it dries up, waiting on the next rain. And the shepherds know where and how to find it. The water, and all of it is about the sheep placing its trust in the shepherd. Trust the voice of the shepherd, and he will give you what you need. So we're going to take some passages out of John 10. John 10, 1 through 5. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by his name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. 11-18 through I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and he scatters them. He flees because he has the hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. And no one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. 27 through 29. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. So I guess one of the questions that we can ask, so how do we know the voice of the shepherd? How do we know the voice of Jesus? 
And I think it starts by saying, yes, I will follow. And then we look for those who seek to model the characteristics. You know, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Find out who Jesus is. Find out how he acts, how he treats people. The whole semester in our Bible study has been spent looking at how Jesus interacts with those around him. And so that's a great place to start. Yeah, I think it also comes with uh, trusting him. We live in such a world of excess. I mean, more, more, more. You get a car, somebody gets a better car. You get a phone, somebody gets a better phone. We need to learn when things are just enough. You don't need all this stuff. You just need enough and probably already need to share what you've already got. Um, Trust that he will lead you when you're in a desert. We all walk through it. We all go through those tough things and we got to know that he's going to lead us through those things. I think that goes back to, you know, look for those who seek and model the characteristics of Jesus. Um, I think that uh, I have a friend, Trudy, who throws things at me once in a while. You know, she uh, gives me things to think about that she's been reading because she wants somebody else to think about them. And iron sharpens iron and it makes us better. And sometimes those are the things that, wow, you learn and it kind of pulls you out of the desert or it lets you sit in it a little bit longer because it's good for you to be in the desert. Some people would argue with that. I know some of the greatest things that have propelled me forward have been learned because I had to sit in it for just a little while. And another big factor is being in community. You don't typically see a flock of sheep with one sheep. You see a whole flock together. And the community aspect is just as important because we can learn who Jesus is, and we can learn how to follow him better by sometimes following the examples that we see in other people. That's really important, finding a church to be a part of where you can really connect with who Jesus is. And that's also important as well. And community groups and Bible studies and like our Bema group that meets, um, you know, there's a lot of different options out there where you can be in community with people and uh, learn more because you're together with God's people. And if you really want to know what it's like out in the desert, coming up in 2022, there will be an opportunity to go to Israel and or Turkey. So, oh yeah, they can touch base with us. We can hook them right up. If that appeals to you. Even if it doesn't appeal to you, I said I'd never go. And then the Lord said, go. I have no regrets. It was one of the most beautiful times of my life. It was tough. but It was good. So connect with us on it. We'd love to point you in the right direction. And we will catch you again on the flip side. Sounds good. 